Radio Network by calling 1-866-628-CARS or go to grnonline.com and click on Donate. From the folks at the GRN, thank you and may God abundantly bless you. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with the Catholic Homeschool Conference. On June 9th and 10th, we will be hosting an online conference for Catholic homeschoolers. There will be live and pre-recorded talks, rosary to start each day of the conference, interactive workshops, parent networking, and much more. More information can be found at catholichomeschoolconference.com. That is catholichomeschoolconference.com. Hi, I'm Father Ricardo Ariola from St. Bartholomew the Apostle. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. First, a letter expressing their unity with him and denouncing the enemies of the church. This letter, it seems, is a powerful anti-ecumenical document, emphasizing the Pope's role in supporting and defending the Catholic faith against heresy. Pope St. Julius I's unwavering stance against the Arians and his support of Orthodox doctrine earned him a reputation for holiness and courageous leadership in defense of the faith. Pope St. Julius I, pray for us. Happy Wednesday in the octave of Easter. We are still in the midst of the celebration of Easter, so don't put away the celebrations just yet. It's still a time for celebration. Still a time for uh, cake and ice cream, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is all. Uh, so if you would like to uh, continue on that cheat day, all I'm saying is it might be the day. It might be the week to continue on your, your cheating days. Uh, but soon enough, the feasting season will be over, and then we'll be back to the grind. But that's part of the good, isn't it? That we have moments of fasting and moments of feasting, and now we are in the moment of feasting. But, you know, only if we actually fasted, am I right? I mean, if how many of us were just like, oh, we hardly fasted at all. And now we uh, <laughs> kind of have this idea, oh, yeah, we're feasting, but we never fasted. And I think that's a, a huge detriment to ourselves and not just to our health, but to our spiritual lives as well. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking to we're going to be talking about John Henry Weston getting canceled again. How many times can John Henry Weston get canceled? That is the the question uh, for today. He's going to be, he got kicked off of YouTube again. We're going to be talking about that. At 30 past the hour, is COVID finally over? The White House finally came out and he they spoke about COVID. Do you remember COVID? How could you forget? So, we're going to be talking about that at 30 past the hour, along with a lot of uh, very concerning stories that I saw this morning and yesterday that are worthy of conversation. For instance, that you hear about the uh, U.S. Army sergeant who has got arrested and for defending himself. Very concerning story. So we're going to be talking about this and much more during this hour. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about the we're going to be having uh, our fear and trembling game show. So all this is coming up in this show today. Uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. What a nice day it is today so far. I know the sun has not crept up above the horizon just yet, but uh, we're eagerly awaiting this dawn. 
It's a third day of Easter week, and I cannot believe it's already Wednesday. My goodness, what a fast week it's turning out to be. But uh, it's interesting to see that uh, Mr. Henry Weston has banned once more for proclaiming truth, that ordinary truth that we used to believe in ten, less than 10 years ago. So uh, it'll be fascinating to hear what the reasons were from YouTube once again. Yeah, and here's some uh, good news for today. The uh, CNN just reported that in six months after the Supreme Court ruling that ended federal rights to an abortion, there were about 32,000 fewer abortions than expected in the U.S., according to a new analysis. Very, very cool story. I just saw that a couple minutes ago, and that is pretty awesome. So look at that. If we, Even if we uh, elections do, in fact, have consequences and all these different things, you know, we may have some uh, some losses. We may be upset about certain things, but let's rejoice in the victories we have and 32,000 lives saved, I would say, is worthy of celebration. So give God some praise today. Thank, send a, a prayer of thanksgiving for those lives that are saved. Let's begin in prayer. We're going to pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus because April is dedicated to the Holy Ghost leading up to Pentecost. And we'll be praying for your intentions, for your friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we have promised to pray for. We are praying for those intentions. Whatever it is that you have on your hearts, we're praying for that. And if you'd be so kind, uh, I got in a major accident on Good Friday, uh, so my car is totaled. So if you would pray that I find a new vehicle that I can uh, purchase at a reasonable price, I would be very grateful for your prayers and my car search. And that, and let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be recreated, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the, the, the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency reports one of the top military hospitals in the U.S. says it is reviewing a Catholic pastoral care contract it awarded last month to a Virginia-based firm. The Franciscan Friars at Holy Name College in nearby Silver Spring, Maryland, had provided the services at Walter Reed for nearly two decades. Their contract expired on March 31st. Holy, the Friary continued to provide services after the contract expired, which prompted an April 4th cease and desist letter from the hospital. The Archbishop Brolio voiced objections to this because it, it was <clears throat> messing up his Holy Week and Easter Sunday services, who is also president of the USCCB. The new contractor is Mac Global LLC. Crux reports Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi visited Delhi's Sacred Heart Cathedral on Easter Sunday, spending over 20 minutes in the church. This is the first time a prime minister is visiting the church, and the message Modi's visit conveys is a huge for the Christian community, said the Archbishop Markuriokosi Baraninkulangara of Faridabad. However, recently, the, the reason behind this is they're wooing Christian voters, especially in states with large Christian populations like the southern state of Kerala. 
Union of Asian Catholic News reports a Holy Land spirals into violence amid celebrations. A British-Israeli mother and her two daughters were killed in a drive-by shooting, recently in a terrorist attack. Israel extended a closure on the West Bank and Gaza until the evening of April 12th. And finally, the Catholic News Agency reports the Democratic governors of New York, Washington, Massachusetts, and California revealed they have begun stockpiling years' worth of chemical abortion supplies in response to the Texas FDA ruling banning it completely. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. It was on the same day that two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus, 60 furlongs away from Jerusalem, discussing all that had happened. They were still conversing and debating together when Jesus himself drew near and began to walk beside them. But their eyes were held fast so that they could not recognize him. And he said to them, What talk is this you exchange between you as you go along sad-faced? And one of them, who was called Clophus, answered him, What art thou, the only pilgrim in Jerusalem who had not heard of what has happened there in the last few days? What's happened? he asked. And they said, About Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, whose words and acts had, be, had power with God and with all the people. How the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and so crucified him. For ourselves we had hoped that it was he who, who was to deliver Israel. But now to crown it all today in the third day since it befell. Some women indeed who belonged to our company alarmed us that they had been at the tomb early in the morning. This could not find his body whereupon they came back and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that all was as the women said, but of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, too slow of wit, too dull of heart to believe all those sayings of the prophets. Was it not to be expected that the Christ should undergo those sufferings and so enter into his glory? Then going back to Moses and the whole line of the prophets, he began to interpret the words used of himself by all the scriptures. And now they were drawing near the village to which they were walking, and he made as if to go further. But they pressed him, stay with us. They said, it is towards evening, and it is far on in the day. So he went to stay with them. And then when he sat down at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and offered it to them. Whereupon their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And with that, he disappeared from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us on the road, and when he made the scriptures plain to us? Rising up there and then, they went back to Jerusalem when they found the eleven apostles and their companions gathered together. Now saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told the story of their encounter in the road, and how they recognized him when he broke bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary from Cornelius Alapide here, he says that very many think that this was St. Luke himself, the other member who was walking along with them. But it seems from the introduction of the Gospel of St. Luke that he had never actually seen Christ in the flesh and that he was converted after the death of our Lord. So probably not St. Luke. 
Uh, two of them, why the two of them? The disciples went probably on some matter of business and also for the purpose of diverting their thoughts from the sad subject of their master's passion. Now, many would accuse our Lord here of lying when he says that he made as if to go further. But here is very interesting to note that Cornelius Lapide points out that he could not be lying because he would have kept going should they not have entreated him to stay. Because here he's telling them how that they should seek someone and they should detain your guest and have them stay with you. And if they would not have done what they should have, then our Lord would have not stayed with them. It kind of has a relation to kind of our prayers, right? Because God desires that we pray for particular things. And if we do not pray for them, he will not give it to us, even if he desires to give it to us. Here, Cornelius Alapide says, And he made as though he would have gone further. This was no deceit, for he would have gone on if the disciples had not constrained him. But as he knew that they would thus constrain him to abide with them, in this respect, he was not willing, but was making as if he would have gone further. So he's saying here, because he knew that he would be constrained, it says as if, because he knew that he was going to be detained, and therefore he knew that he would not actually end up going further. In verse 29, Cornelius Lapide comments, And they constrained him, for which example it is gathered, says St. Gregory, that strangers are not only to be invited to hospitality, but even to be taken by force. And St. Augustine said, Detain a guest if you wish to recognize a savior. For hospitality restored what unbelief had taken away. And verse 30 says, He took bread and blessed it. He blessed it by causing it to become his body, as in the consecration of the Eucharist. For that Christ thus consecrated, although Jansenus and others deny it, it is clear. And then Cornelius Alapide gives like 50 reasons of why it's clear. It's uh, very interesting. I highly recommend checking out the entirety of the commentary on this passage. The other thing to note is, why did our Lord not reveal himself immediately? Well, the reason is because they were in doubt concerning him. Therefore, he made himself as if a stranger. For St. Augustine says, the Lord did that outwardly in the eyes of the body, which was done by themselves inwardly in the eyes of the mind. And that if he had revealed himself, they may have believed he was a phantasm rather than the risen Lord. And so by eating with them, drinking with them, walking with them, they knew that this person was, in fact, alive. And finally, he did it so that way they would bear their hearts and let them experience the sadness that is actually good that they experience. So for these reasons and many more, our Lord did not reveal himself immediately. This is something good to meditate upon. Are our eyes of our, of our hearts clouded? Do we lack belief? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? To know, love, and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no con- commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. Praise be to God. It's a beautiful, beautiful day of Easter. Yeah, it's still Easter Day. It's kind of funny the way Easter season works. When you get into octaves, liturgically, it's all the same day. And so you, if you're doing the divine office... As the as the priest and religious do every day, you look at the divine office and it's pretty much the same every single day during the octave because you're you're still celebrating Easter Day. It's pretty awesome. I love it. If you uh, don't know about that, I highly recommend checking it out and learn more about the uh, the divine office. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next hour. Uh, right now, we have some concerning stories that I I want to bring up. The first story here is John Henry Weston. You know, you might know John Henry Weston from LifeSite News. That's probably where he's most well-known from. And John Henry Weston, just a couple days ago, uh, released, or I guess a few weeks ago, they, la- they launched their LifeSite News video platform. And they did this where they have their own servers and their own uh, kind of streaming. They have their own kind of streaming. So, But the most important thing is they have their own servers, so they're not on Amazon servers where 99% of video and things just in general are. In fact, pretty much all of our content is on Amazon servers. That's how we get it out and things that are not explicitly on YouTube and things like that. A lot of it is on Amazon servers. The problem with that is that because Amazon controls the servers, they could always just delete you from their servers. So even if you're off of YouTube or you're off of somewhere else, if you're still on Amazon servers, it can become an issue still. Now, John Henry Weston was working on this because LifeSite News' YouTube channel got canceled about a year ago. And now, John Henry Weston's channel got deleted. So here's a story from LifeSite News. Just weeks after the successful launch of LifeSite's own video platform, Big Tech Monolith YouTube, on Easter weekend, deleted John Henry Weston's show, YouTube channel. They also went a step further, targeting John Henry's own personal account and thereby blocking him from posting, editing, or even watching videos on the site. If you hear him talk about it, he said he literally cannot even watch YouTube videos. If he wants to watch a YouTube video, he'll have to uh, create a new account or surf on incognito mode. That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. 
This latest incident highlights the importance of LifeSite's work to establish and maintain its own independent video platform immune from big tech censorship. Now, here's an interesting thing. I really like John Henry Weston, and I really like LifeSite News. I think they do a lot of good work. There's some things that I disagree with them about. For example, I am not a huge fan of the fact that they kind of uh, have this this knack for chasing apparitions and they kind of promote and interview everyone who does has uh, various apparitions every single one of them. and i i just not a huge fan of that i don't think that's a, a very prudent thing to do but i think that it says uh that the if if youtube was like yeah he's uh leading some people to find some weird uh, apparitions and we got to protect catholics from that that'd be a kind of an interesting conversation to have but the reason why he gets canceled, though, has nothing to do with legitimate reasons. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with him telling the truth. If he, they canceled him for that, I'd be like, okay, that's a weird thing. Uh, let's have a conversation about that. Uh, but this is not the case. This is simply just not the case. The, like, for instance, uh, the other day, my, my mom was showing me uh, the video, the interview he did with uh, Father Michael Rodriguez. And I'm like, mm, Father Michael Rodriguez seems like a charlatan, to be honest. He has several failed uh, predictions, and yet he is being interviewed. It seems like he's a false prophet. But the reason why he got kicked off originally, the reason why he got kicked off of the LifeSite News Channel was for, quote, medical misinformation around COVID-19, which now being in 2023, we know that Everything they were talking about in regards to COVID, pretty much everything they were talking about turned out to be true. And they're talking about the spike proteins, talking about the uh, vaccinations, talking about the how the deadliness of the of the uh, of the virus, all these different things. Oh, its effects on children versus adults, all these different things. LifeSite News was reporting on in 2021, and then they got canceled. So they got canceled for telling the truth, for being correct. That's not very good. And so they had 300,000 followers on YouTube, subscribers on YouTube, all gone. YouTube just deleted them. Now, in the meantime, emerging evidence continues to show conservatives are right. Here we go, skipping down. Uh, John Henry Weston show channel banned. Between March 30th and March 31st, YouTube, seemingly on accident as they refined their community guidelines, revived LifeSite News' YouTube channel without any strikes. LifeSite's video team responded by promoting John Henry Weston's show content on the newly unbanned LifeSite channel. That's when YouTube picked up on the fact that the two accounts were connected, reversing their previous evident mistake. The big tech platform not only banned LifeSite News again, but also banned the John Henry Weston show channel for posting content that had been published, uh, published on the banned channel. The moves have annihilated both LifeSite News' channel and the John Henry Weston Show channel on the platform. YouTube did not immediately respond to LifeSite's request for comment. Over the Easter weekend, things got really personal with YouTube, Weston said in an April 11th episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Believe it or not, my own personal channel was targeted such that I can't even watch YouTube videos. Comparing his recent deplatforming with the freezing of banks... That's another concerning thing. We remember that with the Freedom Convoy. Oh, boy. And they, they shut down people's banks. The deletion follows a second strike against the John Henry Weston show. Prior to this outreach, the deletion of both LifeSite's YouTube channel and even John Henry Weston's channel, the big tech platform had issued its second strike against the John Henry Weston show 
for Wesson's review of the pro-LGBT and anti-Catholic Oscar-winning film Everything Everywhere All at Once, in which LifeSite co-founder criticized the film for its affirmation of LGBT ideology. Here's the other thing about John Henry Weston. Like I said, there are legitimate uh, concerns that you can make, or criticisms, rather, maybe the better thing that I could say, is there's legitimate criticism that could be made for John Henry Weston, but this is not one of them. John Henry Weston is one of the nicest people I've ever met. I've had the privilege of meeting him in person a couple times, and I actually have a very close friend of mine who John Henry Weston is his godfather. And so I have every time I've ever spoken to him, every time I've ever heard him speak publicly, even if he's talking about the biggest crisis in the church, he is the most charitable and soft-spoken person, really, truly and truly a very, uh, a very stereotypical Canadian. He's talking about these horrible things and bad people, and he doesn't get worked up at all. Very calm, very cool, engaging, very collected. Yep. And so to accuse him of hatred is absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd to to accuse him of this. I think that's a very strange accusation. And if you go to LifeSite's channel and watch his review of the movie, which I recommend you do, especially if you're considering watching the movie, he's not bombastic at all. Not bombastic at all. He is very uh, measured, and he's very truthful. But saying the truth is, in fact, hate in the modern world. It says here, in the video originally published the this year about the phone when he reposted this year when the movie was won numerous awards, John Henry Weston said, The only reason why we as Catholics oppose homosexual relations is love. It is true love for all people, especially our brothers and sisters who are tempted to engage in sexual behaviors that are harmful to them. If you see that, that how is that hateful? How is that hateful? He says here, We must love them enough to tell them that these behaviors are harmful for them. He said, that they are harmful physically, psychologically, and spiritually. This is, a, this is what was considered hate speech. This is what's considered uh, worthy of being kicked off of YouTube's platform. Now, it's kind of funny because, uh, like I said, John Henry Weston, a very nice guy. I take a much more aggressive stance, one might say, where I, I think these things are very bad. I try to be as charitable as I possibly can. But at the same time, I think that these things need to be repudiated and have to be ridiculed because these things deserve to be uh, they deserve to be ridiculed because they're bad and people should see them as such. And whereas John Henry Weston takes a much more very kind, very loving, and very uh, moderate, in my, my opinion, pro approach. Or not moderate in the in compromising the truth, but moderate in his language and his use of language. And so to accuse him of hatred is the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. So that's a very, very concerning thing to accuse someone of hate speech. And what does that mean for us? Because like I said, here, John Henry Weston, he's much more measured in his, uh, and much more the calm than, than myself. I would consider myself a little bit more excited, a little bit more maybe perhaps bombastic might be the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. but the and, and so if that's true of John Henry Weston, how long until we get in trouble? How long before we get kicked off of YouTube? Uh, that can only be a matter of time. It's probably because the LifeSite YouTube channel has a much larger viewership on, on the YouTube side of our audience. So maybe that's why they got, a, they got attacked before we do. Uh, but this is coming. 
This is coming to anyone who says the truth. Anyone who dares to say that good is good and bad is bad. If you fail to, uh, to articulate and say good is actually evil and evil is actually good. If you fail to say that, you, sir, are a bad guy. You, sir, are hateful. And just like Michael Knowles comes out and says that we have to eradicate transgender ideology completely and they call him a fascist and a genocidal maniac, well, that's what they're going to do to everyone. That's what they're going to do to you and I. This is something that we have to be aware of. It's something that we have to be prepare ourselves for. So one thing is that we need to be able to be on other platforms. Right now, we're also on Rumble. We're on Odyssey. We're on Facebook. But... Facebook's uh, uh, just as bad as YouTube. Yeah. So if you're not following us on these alternative platforms, you should. You should be signed up for our, our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Because if we are get kicked off of our platforms, then that's where you can find whatever information you need. And this is also why we are so grateful for Catholic Radio. This is why we are so grateful that radio still exists in, the 20, in 2023. Because at the end of the day... They can kick us off of YouTube, they can kick us off of Facebook, they can ban us, but the radio will still be there. They can't just ban us from the radio. It becomes a much more difficult task for them to do so. It's not just the whims of them pushing a button. So, therefore, let's be grateful, one, that we're on Catholic Radio. Maybe download the grnonline.com app. Just go to Guadalupe Radio Network app on your app store and download that. So that way you can actually tune into the radio side should we ever get banned. If we get banned on the radio, you can always find us on the app and just pull us up and you can play it, stream it right from the app. So this is a, a very concerning story. It sounds like a giant ad for us, but it's not really that. It's to recognize if, you, if there are people that you really like to listen to, there are people that you think are saying the good, the true, and the beautiful then make sure you are tied in with them. Sign up for their email list. Sign up for their different kind of things, text blast, all those kind of things, because at any moment, they may be just banished from the, from the social media, and then you'll be like, where did they go? I guess they just stopped making videos. I guess they stopped making content. But nope, they're probably off in the ether, banned somewhere. And this is why we have to stay connected. This is why we have our private Telegram chat, all these things. But much more coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions, your family's church, the pastor, church friendliness, dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying at a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, at a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls and 
We have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, still, and destroy souls. And to have that Catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives, um, what better thing to support? The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency reports a new document revealed that the Richmond FBI used at least one undercover agent to obtain information about traditionalist Catholics. In his letter to Ray, Jordan called the newly released information shocking. This information is outrageous and only reinforces the committee's need for all FBI material responsive to our request, Jordan wrote. Jordan added that a lot of information is still unclear. The FBI declined to comment on the new information revealed in the document, but told CNA that it has received the subpoena and intends to cooperate with the subcommittee. Catholic News Agency reports Archbishop Shelton Fabre of Louisville asked for prayers for those involved after an Easter Monday shooting at a bank in downtown Louisville, which left five people dead and at least eight others injured. Quote, my heart is heavy as we learn about another mass shooting now in our own Louisville community, end quote. Fabre said in a statement to The Record, the Archdiocesan newspaper. Catholic News Agency reports the chief prosecutor of the Vatican City State Court met Tuesday yesterday with the brother of Emanuela Orlandi, a teenage girl who went missing from the Vatican nearly 40 years ago. Vatican prosecutor Alessandro Didi said April 11th that Pope Francis has granted him maximum freedom of action to investigate Orlandi's case on a broad scale without conditions of any kind. Emmanuel Orlandi was a 15-year-old daughter of Ercole Orlandi, an envoy of the prefecture in Vatican City. Her disappearance on June 22, 1983, after leaving for a music lesson in Rome, dominated headlines and has been the subject of speculation for years. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, I was looking at the comments on YouTube while we were on the during that break, and Kim Sunderman made this point. She said, LifeSite News is the only one who truly helped us after January 6th. They helped us to find a pro bono lawyer. No one else helped us. Priest for Life, St. Thomas More Society, none of them helped us. It was Life's legal foundation that helped us. They found a pro bono lawyer here in Houston. We did nothing wrong. We were praying on the streets on January 6th. And but we never went inside. We never did anything. And the FBI came banging on their front door. Crazy, crazy situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, any criticisms you have of LifeSite News, yeah, you're allowed to have criticisms. You're allowed to have criticisms of anybody. I'm sure you people have criticism of myself, and that's perfectly fine. But you have to admit that the John Henry Weston and LifeSite News, they do good work. They're good people. They love God clearly. And they truly believe in the Catholic faith whole and entire. And that's something that should never be forgotten, especially during all these uh, different kinds of situations. This is the time. I always bring this up, and it's kind of a, a side tangent, but I always bring this up. But I really, truly believe that if someone believes in the Catholic faith whole and entire, they accept all the doctrines and dogmas of the faith, 
and they, that person is my ally. Uh, we may disagree about um, ancillary issues. We may disagree about private revelations. We may disagree about all sorts of other things, and that's okay. Uh, we can hammer those things out later, but whenever we are here, whenever we are with our our people who love God and believe in the faith whole and entire, and those people are our allies, and let's stop attacking each other about every little detail. It's absolutely absurd. So that's a little side note. And the, here, I want to talk about this story here. Greg Abbott. You know, I saw this story in regard to Greg Abbott, and I was immediately like, oh, no. is What is Greg Abbott doing? Is this going to be good? Is this going to be bad? And it was actually a good story. So I was happy to hear this. So here's some good news. It tied up with some bad news, but the Greg Abbott stepped in and made this a good news story. So the bad news is, this man, who was uh, Sergeant Daniel Perry with the U.S. Army, he was being followed by BLM uh, protesters, and he shot and killed one of them because one of them uh, brandished an AK-47. So they had, let's see here, Daniel Perry was convicted on April 7th in Travis County for shooting Garrett Foster with a handgun after Foster approached his vehicle at an intersection in Austin. Foster and the other activists had gathered to protest the death of George Floyd in 2020. Foster was armed with an AK-47, a club, and a knife and was wearing a neoprene vest. Perry, who was driving for a ride-sharing company, told police Foster pointed the gun at him and was being followed by other protesters. He said he felt threatened and acted in self-defense. Now, here's an interesting part of the story. At first... This story was no big deal. They were like, okay, clearly he was in self-defense. They pointed an AK-47. You don't have to wait until someone shoots you before you can shoot them back. Like, that's absurd. You have to wait till you're dead before you can defend yourself. That's, it makes no sense. And so the, uh, the state of Texas actually has some of the best laws in terms of stand your ground. And so that was there. And they said, okay, well, he's fine. But then... There was a George Soros-backed DA who was put inside, and he decided to prosecute him for killing this man. It's absurd. And so they tried to arrest him. They tried to throw him in jail. And so after they had, they decided to convict him of a crime. Now, here it says the prosecution argued that there was no bullet in the chamber of Foster's weapon, that the safety was on at the time of the shooting. The prosecution also claimed Perry instigated the conflict by driving his car at the crowd in an aggressive manner. Because he was driving in the area where people were rioting, therefore he's the one in the wrong. That makes sense, I guess. Here it says the prosecution argued that there is uh, the after his conviction was announced, Perry supported lobbied Abbott's Abbott online. Now Greg Abbott came out and he said that he is asking for a pardon to be put on his table. And he said, if a pardon comes to his table, he will immediately sign it. So that's actually a very, very good story because it is absolutely absurd that somebody would go to jail for protecting their own lives. And this is the strategy that people have to make. And we I actually had this conversation with Brent Haynes where he was saying how if you ever buy a gun, then you need to make sure that you also pay the insurance for owning a gun. 
because the problem is if you ever have to use your gun in self-defense, you will be sued in 2023. It's absurd situation, but if you decide to protect your own life, you can, in fact, get in trouble. And the strategy of the left is to give this situation so much teeth that people are too afraid to buy guns, too afraid to carry a weapon because they want them to be afraid to defend their lives. It's like, I'd rather die than get sued and send my family into desolation. And that's kind of the mentality that they're trying to instill in people. And so this is a very, very concerning story. And it's very good that Greg Abbott said that he will be pardoning this man because it sets a precedent that we will not be enforcing these laws. We will not, or rather the other way around, because he didn't violate any laws. They will not be prosecuting people for defending their own lives. It's an absurd position to take. And I'm very happy that Greg Abbott came out and said it this way. I hope more governors will come out and do this as well. On a separate note, Tim Cass News reported White House officially ends COVID-19 national emergency ahead of previously set date. Biden said at the beginning of 2023 that COVID-19 related declarations would be terminated on May 11th, but they did it a month early. Praise be to God. Did you even realize that we were still under COVID-19 right now? Did you realize that we were still under shutdowns? I had no clue. I didn't understand that. And the reason why they did it a month early is because the Republicans pushed it for it and they passed a bill to get it done 30 days before the deadline. It's it's uh, it's incredible what's going on in this government in this in the time that we're living in. And there is just abusive. It's simply abuse of power. That's all I can say. And the big thing that's very concerning is that we were in a national emergency for like a year or maybe more. And who knew if you lived in a state like Texas, Florida, Alabama, New Mexico, maybe even Mexico's a little bit, a little bit worse. And Oklahoma, if you're in any of these states, you probably didn't even know that we are still under national emergency because life has gone back to normal. I am curious if someone lives in a place where it's not like that. I'd be very curious. What has changed? Now, the story says the federal government has formally terminated the presidential enacted national emergency declaration due to COVID-19 outbreak after over three years. We were in a national emergency declaration for three years. Can you believe that? Uh, President Joe Biden signed H.J. Resolution 7 on April 10th, therein acknowledging that the virus is not a threat to the country. Well, there you go, guys. It's been officially declared. It's not a threat to the country. Does that mean everybody who was banned for saying that before are going to be reinstated, given their accounts back and all that jazz? Because now the White House has agreed with us. Uh, Before leaving for his trip on Northern Ireland, Biden has previously said that the National Health Emergency would end on May 11th after 11 extensions 11 extensions ridiculous that is a absurd amount of extensions especially once things were normal once things everybody kind of figured out what was happening and who was in danger who was not we have to keep this in mind we're going to have to tell more about the story and explain a little bit about the history of this on the other side of the break so we'll be right back with more make sure you stay with us and did you hear about harry potter getting a reboot Uh, what's the deal with that All this and more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thirdly, a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. It's always good to be here today with you. And, you know, we were talking before the break about the, finally, that the national emergency for COVID-19 has ended. Finally, it's over. And you may be asking, why was it extended for so long after all this happened? Well, there's two reasons. One is power. Two is money, which really it's the same thing. And here is what really happened. Here's what really happened. We realized that everything was kind of getting better, that everybody was getting back to normal. The kind of everything, people were going back to work, people were going back to school, things were returning to normal. But the government had signed off on a ton of money, millions, billions of dollars in COVID-19 relief, COVID-19 funding for hospitals, COVID-19 funding for this, that, and the other. And they were saying, oh, we don't want the good times to end. We don't want the money to stop flowing. And so they said, okay, but if we are no longer a national emergency, how can we justify spending all this money? And so they just kept saying we're in a national emergency. It's absurd. And by being in a national emergency, they were able to claim powers that they did not have. They could say, oh, we have to change election laws. Oh, we have to be able to allow mail-in voting for everybody. We had these crazy ideas that were floating around because they saw this as an opportunity. So that's why it was extended. And so it is a very good thing that the national emergency has been declared over. You know, just during the break, I actually got an email going back to our conversation earlier. I thought it was a really interesting email. Um, Pete uh, Santos, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said his name. He was uh, didn't say that I could, but <laughs> there it goes. But uh, he's a listener and he's uh, commented in the past. And so I'm very grateful for the email. He had, I just heard your comments on Father Rodrigue, because I we just during the segment on LifeSite News, we were talking about how John Henry interviewed Father Rodrigue, and I think that he is a false prophet. And uh, Pete said that, uh, he, that, he said, I have my reservations about him, but on his missed prophecies, I think back on Jonah saying that Nineveh would be destroyed, but because the people repented, the destruction was delayed. Could it not be the same with him? 
According to other mystics, man's chastisements could have occurred in the second half of the last century, but because the people doing what already asked, the chastisement was delayed. Supposedly, the chastisement could begin within the next two years. However, if enough people are continuing to do what Our Lady asked, and hopefully the chastisement will be delayed again. Who knows? I pray not. Uh, this So a couple points here that I think is a very interesting conversation to have, actually. I'm happy to go on this uh, derailment because there's a couple points here. One is the question of the chastisement. Uh, one, I'm a huge believer in the chastisement. I believe that Our Lady has promised at Our Lady of Fatima, and I think Our Lady of Fatima is the most approved apparition ever because it was confirmed by the miracle of the sun that was witnessed by tens of thousands of people. Photographic uh, evidence. Photographic evidence, newspapers from atheists, Freemasons, Catholics, Protestants, all witnessed it. So I firmly believe in the message of Fatima. And Our Lady promised that if the we did not consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, if we didn't keep the first Saturdays, which are you keeping the first Saturdays? I mean, that's a good question. Are you keeping the first Saturdays? If people didn't be, start praying the rosary and the people did not repent, we would have a greater chastisement and nations would be annihilated and the Holy Father would have much to suffer. So I believe that we will have the chastisement and that the chastisement has not happened yet. The question about uh, Father Rodrigue and his prophecies on the chastisement, I believe, I suppose that's okay that he could make a false, a, a prediction, but there was no contingency when he gave it. He didn't say, if we don't do X, then this will happen, and then we did X, therefore this did not happen. I mean, personally, I've looked around, you look around a society, and I don't see mass repentance. I don't see people, the church attendance going up. I don't see all these things happening. So it would be surprising to me that the chastisement would be delayed or or rejected. I don't know when the chastisement is going to happen. I believe it's probably going to happen in my lifetime. But is that 20 years from now? Or is it two years from now? I have no idea. The other point is the revelation that I was referring to was actually not this one. The revelation that I'm referring to is that the he had a prediction, which I don't have it memorized, but the abbrevi- abbreviation of it is that he predicted that Pope Benedict XVI would come through and save the day, basically. <laughs> but Pope Benedict died. And so this was back in 2019 when he made this prediction. And he said that Pope Benedict would come in and he'd save the day and that uh, Pope Francis would uh, recognize his errors and he would become a saintly pope and be martyred. And the one, the second thing hasn't happened yet, which, I mean, God willing, hope, praise be to God, if Pope Francis became a martyr, that would be such a grace. Um, we'd have another saint to pray to. That'd be a wonderful thing. But Pope Benedict died. So his prophecy is false. It didn't happen. Pope Benedict is dead. So that's a, a, a huge red flag. So that's really what I was referring to. Because the other things, you know, cannot be confirmed, can be confirmed. But that's a huge, huge prediction. And that is a prediction that is, it's impossible for it to be uh, fulfilled now. Because he is no longer with us. God rest his soul. So that's kind of my short, long and short of a, of a situation with with Father Rodrigue, but I don't know, maybe maybe there's something there that I don't know, but I, I tend to think that, that my my beliefs about him are are well-founded. Now, this story here I think is interesting. Harry Potter to get a serious reboot. Uh, one, why are we rebooting Harry Potter already? 
it's only been out like when did the last movie come out maybe like ten, eight years ago ten years ago something like that we used to wait like what 40 20 30 years before we started rebooting movies a generation a yep. generation yeah now we're like I was I was in element I was in middle school and high school when these movies were coming out now I didn't see any of them because my family was very <laughs> anti Harry Potter I didn't read any of them I don't really know anything about Harry Potter nor do I really care to I'm not I don't plan on watching the reboots or these but it brings up a conversation because the LGBT community came out and said that they will be boycotting the Harry Potter series if it gets rebooted. And you're thinking, okay, why are they doing that? Oh, maybe it's because, you know, they're huge fans of Harry Potter and everybody hates reboots because they always ruin the original material. Okay, maybe. I understand that. I understand that kind of reaction. But no. That was, in fact, not the reaction they wanted or why they had the reaction they did. Instead, it's because J.K. Rowling, who is not a traditional Catholic by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, she's a radical feminist, a huge supporter of the LGBT ideology, actually. Which is funny because all she says, she's like, you can identify as trans all you want. Like, there's no big deal. I, I don't care what you do. But women are women and men are men and a man can never become a woman. But you can believe it if you want. No big deal. You do what you do you. But I'm just saying men can't become women. And the LGBT community just lost their minds and tried to cancel her. And they've attempted to destroy her life. And you have to remember, this is the same woman. Because so I, I have no desire to defend J.K. Rowling because she is a radical leftist. She came in and revised her books to make characters that everybody loved homosexuals. Oh, goodness. So, for instance, uh, the character that's like Gandalf, what's his name? Um, Dumbledore. The character Dumbledore is an old guy with a big white beard, an old wizard. Uh, I compare, I just, when I see pictures of him, I just think Gandalf, but I, I actually don't know anything about the character. But. The they she created a sequel to the books, and in the sequels, she made him gay. Why? Because she was just trying to appeal to the woke mob. All she wanted to do, because there was no evidence, according to people I know that have seen it and read it, there was no inkling or evidence or any sort of reference to him being a homosexual in the original books. But they post hoc went through and they changed it, or I say they, but she. It was it's just one person. She did that. So this person is a radical leftist, is a huge supporter of these horrible ideologies, and yet they will eat their own. And this is the, really the lesson, and this is the re- real reason I want to bring this story up, is because the left demands perfect religious submission, perfect religious submission to their orthodoxy. The leftism is a religion. They have their doctrines, they have their dogmas, and you must accept them. There are some ancillary points that you can disagree with. Do you want to be a communist? Do you want to be a socialist? Do you want to be a, a some other flavor of economic ideas? Okay, that's fine. You can have that. That's fine. We can debate about those issues. But we have our doctrines and our dogmas. And the doctrines and dogmas, those things you cannot question. Very similar to that of the Catholic Church, for instance. Because these false religions are always apes of the Catholic Church. So in the Catholic Church, there's things that you can disagree with, that you can have debate over. 
for instance, did St. Joseph, was he assumed into heaven at the end of his life? The church has never spoken about that. So you can debate about it. You can, was St. Joseph young or was he old? There's no church teaching on whether or not Joseph was old or young. You can have your position. I can have my position. Neither of us can be called a heretic for holding one or another position. But we have our dogmas. We have, you have to believe the Macklin Conception. You have to believe that the, the papal infallibility. You have to believe in papal supremacy. All these things are dogmas of the faith. And if you do not hold them, you're not a Catholic. And so, too, with leftism. The difference is that Catholicism is reasonable. If you make an argument, well, we can have a conversation. We can debate these issues. We can appeal to proper authorities. We can make reference to Holy Scripture, which is divinely revealed. We can make reference to philosophy and appeal to philosophy. All these things are real things. Whereas a left is an irrational religion. It's a religion that requires submission of mind and will to absurdity. They declare things that have no basis in philosophy, no basis in authority, and declare it as true and demand that you submit your will to it. So if I say that a woman can become a man and a man can become a woman, do not even question it. Do not ask us to explain it. Do not ask us to define our terms. You just must re- uh, repeat. You just must parrot the dogma that I present to you. That's your only option. That's the only thing you're allowed to do. This is very contrary to true religion because true religion is always rational. In fact, it is super rational, meaning it's above reason, meaning not in terms of it not being according to reason, but instead that it is in according to reason, but supernaturalized because we have both the natural philosophy, things that we observe with in nature, things that we can test, things similar like that of science. And then you have divine revelation. And we believe in divine revelation because we can prove that God revealed it to us. We can prove that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we can trust the things that he said. And so then we apply divine revelation to our lives and we say, okay, let's build upon what we know to be true because God hath revealed it who can neither deceive nor be deceived. These are things that we should keep in our minds and we should thank God to be part of the true religion and not part of these irrational religions. We'll be right back with more on Catholic Drive Time after this. Uh, A little bit more about Easter and the Paschal Tide after this. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. It's just you and me. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Glacier with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set included the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Fathers. 
such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. So the neighbors who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Insightful audience ever. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I look in the comments and the emails that we get, and most of the time we have awesome comments and we have awesome input. I like to share things that uh, I didn't know, and I learned a lot from, from our commenters. I'm very grateful for them. And I was looking forward to the after show, because at 30 past the hour, we go to the after show where we are off the radio, but we remain on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and Facebook, and we chat with you directly. We read your comments, and we talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. And so that comes up at 30 past the hour every single day. If you can hang on with us and hop on uh, our social media feeds, that's what we do Monday through Friday at 7.30 Central Time. But right now, I want to talk about the Paschal Tide. About Paschal Tide. It's a very great time. It's what used to be referred to as Easter. Uh, Easter used to be referred to as Paschal Tide. I mean, it still is technically and it's kind of funny. We actually had this conversation during the after show a couple, uh, maybe about a week ago, um, where people were saying, oh, isn't Easter based off of the goddess Ishtar? And it's kind of, it's a very funny accusation because the word for Easter is a English thing. In other countries, other than England and America, they don't call Easter Easter. It's different languages. And in the Latin, it was Paschal Tide. It was Pascha, Pascha, which has how similar is Pascha to Ashtar? Not very, not very similar at all. So I think it's a kind of rather funny because people will see like, oh, it's based off of the goddess Ashtar. That's why it sounds so familiar. It's like, no, that's just a peculiarity of the English language and literally has no connection whatsoever. But in regard to Paschal Tide, here is an interesting article. Uh, written by Dom Prosper Garanger. Uh, Dom Prosper Garanger is one of the most famous uh, Benedictine 
commentators on the liturgy. In fact, he wrote his famous The Liturgical Year, where he commented on every single day of the liturgical year, which is pretty epic. You have to like buy it, and it's like an encyclopedia where you just purchase like 150 volumes or something ridiculous like that. And he has uh, all these books explaining the liturgical year. And here is his comments on Paschal Tide. He said, We give the name of Paschal Time to the period between Easter Sunday and the Saturday following Whit Sunday. It is the most sacred portion of the liturgical year and the one towards which the whole cycle converges. We shall easily understand how this is if we reflect upon the greatness of the Easter feast, which is called the Feast of Feasts and the Solemnity of Solemnities. In the same manner, says St. Gregory, as the most sacred part of the temple was called the Holy of Holies in the book of sacred scripture, wherein are described the espousal between the Christ and the church is called the Canticle of Canticles. It is on this day that the mission of the word incarnate attains the object toward which it has hitherto been unceasingly tending. Mankind is raised up from his fall and regains what he has lost by Adam's sin. Christmas gave us a man-god. Three days have scarcely passed since we witnessed his infinitely precious blood shed for our ransom. But now, on the day of Easter, our Jesus is no longer the victim of death. He is a conqueror that destroys death, the child of sin, and proclaims life. That undying life which he has purchased for us, the humiliation of his swathing bands, the suffering of his agony and cross. These are past. All is now glory, glory for himself and glory also for us. On the day of Easter, God regains by the resurrection of the man-God, his creation such as he made it at the beginning. The only vestige now left of death is that likeness to sin, which the Lamb of God deigned to take upon himself. Neither is it Jesus alone that returns to eternal life, the whole human race also has risen to immortality together with our Jesus. By a man came death, says the apostle, and by a man the resurrection of the dead. And as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be alive. So this day is the day par excellence, the day to which the whole year look forward to in expectation and on which its whole economy is formed. Now, the article goes on much more and talks about the solemnity of the Paschal Tide. I highly recommend checking out this article. It's posted in 1 Peter 5, and so you can read Don Prosper Garanger from the liturgical year for free by doing that. Uh, but the, if you can purchase a, those massive copies, you sh definitely should. Uh, I personally can, can't afford to be buying the entirety of the commentary, but when I can read excerpts of it, Don Prosper Garanger is the man. And, you know, I was reading... I was reading about the resurrection of our Lord. And, you know, on Good Friday, I was actually on my way to New Brownsville. Not Brownsville. Yeah, to Brownsville uh, for the pre-55 liturgy because they, a friend of mine was there and he asked if I would come and I would help serve the Mass. I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. I could do that. So it's about five hours from where I'm located. And I was driving over there. And as I'm driving... I was, I hit a puddle and I started going into uh, a, I started hydroplaning. And so I smashed into the, the guardrail on my left 
and I smashed into the guardrail on my right, did a 180, and I totaled my car. And I was really bummed out about that. That was like, oh, man, that's, that's a bad day. And that was uh, on Good Friday. And so on Good Friday, that happened. And then later that day, so I ended up going home. Obviously, I didn't make it to Brownsville. My parents came pick me up. We, we dealt with the whole issue. And that evening, uh, my mom decided to put on the Passion of Christ after after the Good Friday liturgy. And I'm watching it. And I'm just seeing our Lord suffer so greatly. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, at the end of the day, my car is not worth that much. Not in comparison to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not in comparison to the suffering that Our Lady endured by seeing her most beloved son be crucified and die. And I just, that struck me so much. And then I recognize, you know, I need to be so grateful. I need to be grateful to our Lord. Because things could have been so much worse, right? I could have died. I could have lost my life. And it's funny because on my way out the door, I was driving off. And immediately, there's something that should be a practice that we all have. But I, 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 was just, I had a bad feeling. I was driving off and I just had a bad feeling. And so I actually said a prayer on my way out. And I said, oh, Lord, protect me on this trip. I feel like something bad is going to happen. I prayed to my guardian angel and asked my guardian angel to protect me. I said, my guardian angel, protect me. Make sure I don't die on this trip. Make sure I make it home safely, that everything turns out okay. And as I started driving, I, I tend to pray the rosary as I'm driving. That's a uh, practice I have because, you know, I spend a lot of time in the car. And I drive about two hours a day, so it's a, it's a good opportunity to, to get into a, a couple rosaries. And so I started praying the rosary. And I'm heading out, and as I'm praying the rosary, I think I was on the, the, the second joyful mystery. I was on the visitation of Our Lady to St. Elizabeth. And that's whenever I, I hit this puddle and started going into a hydroplaning. And the rosary got caught up on the steering wheel, and it snapped my rosary, snapped my rosary in half. But the airbags went off, but the airbags didn't hit me. The airbags went out, and they didn't hit me. The car hit the barrier twice, did a 180, but there were no cars around, so I didn't hit any other cars, no cars hit me, and I was perfectly fine. Uh, my back was a little sore for a day or two, but by Monday, I, was per I felt perfectly fine. Had no neck injuries, no nothing. Walked away completely unscathed, and I am very grateful for that. So I'm very surprised by the, the what that, that happened. But at the same time, I'm, I have to recognize that our Lord uh, protects us. Our Lord, our guardian angel is there, and he, uh, he desires to help us. And should we invoke him? Should we ask for your help? And I think about the resurrection and see how our Lord fulfills his promises. Our Lord proves, we were talking in the last hour, about true religion versus false religion and how we can, we can trust the claims that God makes because he is he who can neither deceive nor be deceived. And many people may say, well, your crazy beliefs are just as crazy as the leftists. You believe that man rose from the dead. You believe that you eat and drink the body and blood of Christ. 
It's just as crazy. But it's not. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. That is why everything else makes sense. Everything else makes sense in context of the resurrection. This is why Easter is the greatest of all the feasts in the church. Because every other feast is contingent on the question, was our Lord who he said he was? If he was who he said he was, then we should believe everything he taught. Everything. Every taught and jittle. This is very important to remember. Because by his resurrection, he had promised that if you tear down this temple in three days, I will build it up again. And by fulfilling what he had promised, he proves that everything he said before was true. Now you may say, how on earth could you prove such a thing? Well, it's the same way we prove all things in history. You look at historical evidence. And what do we know? We know for a fact, it is an undisputed point of history, that a man named Jesus died in around 33 AD, and he was crucified, he was buried, and then three days later, people claimed that he rose from the dead. That is undisputed in history. So the question becomes, did he actually rise from the dead? Okay, well, that's a very simple answer to the question. The question says, okay, then, if he did not rise from the dead, what are the other options? Well, maybe someone stole his body. Well, if they stole his body, if let's say the, the Jews, or not the Jews, the apostles, stole the body, hid it, and then lied about the resurrection. If that's the case, would all 12 apostles go to their death for a lie? Every single one of them? Bartholomew flayed alive, Peter crucified upside down, St. Paul beheaded. And that's another thing, St. Paul. He claims that he had a vision of our Lord. And so the fact that he was an enemy of Christ and became a friend of Christ, went from persecuting Christians to going to his death. Did someone do that? What worldly success did he gain? What prestige did he get from that? Nothing. Nothing at all. So the question also becomes, maybe they had a hallucinogen. Maybe they were all uh, hallucinating our Lord re resurrecting. Well, that's obviously disproven because from modern science, we know people do not share hallucinations. It's impossible to share hallucination. And so for all the people, including the hundreds of people who saw the risen Lord, they would all have to be hallucinating the same exact thing. And so it's impossible that it happened. In fact, the only explanation that makes any sort of sense, the only explanation that explains all the factors that we know is that he really and truly rose from the dead. And then people will say, well, it's impossible because people don't rise from the dead. Well, then you respond simply, exactly. That's the point. People don't rise from the dead. That's why it's a miracle. And people say, like, they talk about the Virgin Mary, and they're like, she could not have a virgin birth because virgins can't give birth to kids. Well, yeah, that's why it's a miracle. <laughs> if it happened all the time, it would not be of note, right? If people rose from the dead all the time, we wouldn't even bring it up. It's like, oh, yeah, another guy rose from the dead. No big deal. But it's because this never happens. It's because that it's impossible that it becomes a proof that he was who he said he was. And who did he say he was? He said he was God. So let's think about that today as we go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. 
You can dial now, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show, 877-757-9424. One more time, 877-757-9424. We take the first caller, so call now. And wait, fear and for me. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think that I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. How do you win, you may ask? It's simple. You dial 877-757-9424 and hop on a phone and dial 877-757-9424 and be a contestant on our Fear and Trembling game show. It's a very simple game. We take the first caller. We always take the first caller. And the game is very simple. If you've never played before, if you've never heard how the game works, I'm going to explain it to you. You just had to pick up your phone and dial 877-757-9424 and you, we have three Catholic trivia questions here. And I'm not going to ask you the Catholic trivia questions. No, instead, I'm actually going to ask Tito the Catholic trivia questions. And he's going to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me if he is right, if he is wrong, if he's trying to trick you, if he's lying to you. Those are the questions and that is the game. And you'll have 15 seconds on the clock to answer that question. And every right answer 
gets a entry into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And this week's prize is generally donated by Studio Sin. The prize is from Studio Sin, a small creative company founded on the goal of designing passionately Catholic art and illustrations. The winning prize is an Our Lady of Guadalupe banner and pin bundle. Visit studiosin.com for all your Catholic gifts and decor. And thank you very much, Studio Sin, for your generous donation. And the I'm looking over here, and they have a caller on the line. Good morning to you, Vicky. Good morning. Good morning, Vicky. Where are you calling from? Dallas area. The Dallas area. Praise be to God. Uh, that's a, a good place to be a part of. Uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that's the home of Cecil Anderson and Dave Palmer, uh, our dear friends right. there. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, where are you off to today, Vicki? Um, well, taking a child to school and just cleaning home. Uh, cleaning the home. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. That sounds like a good time. Did you have a good Easter? Did you and your family uh, get some time off for Easter yes. and uh, celebrate yes. well? Yes. Beautiful. Yes, we did. Wonderful. Wonderful. Praise be to God. That y'all, what did y'all eat for for Easter? I'm just curious. Uh, my, Our family, we had barbecue. Uh, your, I was really hoping for lamb, but uh, barbecue is also good. Well, we were gifted with some uh, pork chops. So we oh, have pork, chops. pork chops. We usually don't buy um, pork, but it was given to us, so we cooked them and ate them. Awesome. Praise be to God. I mean, if someone uh, sent me some pork chops, I would uh, cook those right up and eat them. <laughs> uh, no no complaints, no questions <laughs> asked. I would definitely jump on that opportunity. Um, but I hope you're having a, a blessed Easter octave and that you're still celebrating. Have you had cake every day leading up to today? You know, we have five birthdays in March and three birthdays in April. So oh. We had tons of cake. Oh, wow. That's a lot of back-to-back birthdays. And I thought we had a lot of back-to-back birthdays. We got uh, one in February and two in March in, in our family. But praise be to God, that's a great time. We love to hear it. So happy birthday to your all your uh, family, to your kids and in your family, that's a, a great thing to see. But that's going to do. Are you familiar with how the game works, Vicky? Yes, Adrian. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Then you know it, that Tito can be a little tricky. That we have to keep <laughs> our eyes out and our ears open because the uh, Tito the tricky can, in fact, be quite tricky. Are you ready to play the game, Vicky? Yes, sir. All right, then let's jump into it. Uh, The first question on the board. What are the three major forms of Lutheranism? Wow, what what an interesting question. The three major forms of Lutheranism. I would say mm, the the Southern Baptist Church the United Methodist Church and the Episcopalian Church. Those are the three major forms of Lutherism. The three major forms of Lutheranism. You're saying the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, and what was the other one? The Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Church. Wow. Okay. Okay. So Baptist, uh, Methodist, 
and the Episcopalians. They're all Lutherans, you're saying. I get it. I get it. All right. Uh, Vicky, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board. What are the three major forms of Lutheranism? Well, Tito seems to think that the Baptist, the Methodist, and the Episcopalians are all the three different major forms of Lutheranism. 15 seconds on the clock. Vicky, what say you? Well, she missed out the Lutherans, so I, I'm going to say no. He's gonna, she's going to say no. No. You are correct. You are correct. He meant to hit the bell button. You yes. are correct, Vicky. Don't worry. Uh, he's just being tricky. The answer actually is the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the Missouri Synod, and the Wisconsin Synod. So those are the three major forms of Lutheranism. I'm sure everybody is like, right. like I had never even heard of those other two. Uh, but there you go. There you go. The more you know, the more you know. So good job, Vicky. You're in for one in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Are you ready for question number two? Let's go. Let's go, she says. Let's go. Okay. All right, let's jump into it. What are Catholics supposed to do on the holy days of obligation? On the holy days of obligation, well, uh... We, unlike the Protestants, we don't attend service, we, we attend Mass, and we need to keep the day holy, meaning avoiding anything that would lead us into sin. So, attend Mass and keep the day holy. Okay, attend Mass and keep the day holy, you're saying? Yeah. All right, all right. Well, Vicky, 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, what are the Catholics supposed to do on the Holy Days of Obligation? Tito seems to think that you have to attend Mass and keep the holy days holy uh, that seems kind of crazy to me i'm i'm assuming that you just have to eat cake but 15 seconds on the clock vicky what say you is he right is he wrong or is he being tricky what say you vicky yes he's right he's right she says way to go vicky congratulations two for vicky. two so far yes in fact on holy days of obligation we have to go to mass and keep the day holy meaning well, traditionally, you would have to avoid work, but, you know, living in a not a Catholic society, that becomes difficult sometimes. But to the best of your ability, on Holy Days of Obligation, try to work as little as you can. Treat it like a Sunday. But, Vicky, are you ready for number three, for question numero right. trace? Okay. You ready? She says she's ready. All right. Question number three. The prayer after the consecration, where the celebrant prays prayers that all those who partake of the victim may be filled with heavenly blessing. What is the name of that prayer? The name of that prayer, I, I'm an instituted acolyte. I, I should be very well aware of this. It's the supplicants. The, it's the supplices. The supplices, you say? Yes, the supplices. Yeah, I remember. I, I just did uh, celebrated Mass Palm Sunday two weeks ago, so oh wow, I should know this. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's very interesting. Very interesting. All righty, Vicky. The question on the board, a fairly long question, I may, I may add. The prayer after the consecration where the celebrant prays that all those who partake of the victim may be filled with heavenly blessing is called what? 
Now, T.O. seems to think that it's called a, what did you say, supplices? Supplices. Supplices. Yes. So that's uh, Tito's answer. Technical. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, Vicky. What say you? Is the prayer after the consecration where the celibate prays that all those who partake of the victim may be filled with heavenly blessings called the supplices? Ooh, man, that was, that was a long one. Is he right? Is he wrong? Lamb of God. Lamb of God. The world. I think I'm going to say no. Not you're going to say no? Are you sure you're going to go with no? Uh, well, I don't know what the prayer is called, but supplicate sounds like supplication. And I don't think the Lamb of God is supplication. Right? Well, I'm going to say no. Okay, she's going to say no. She's going to say no. Oh, <laughs> it is, in fact, Lee, correct. Uh, the Lamb of God prayer is called the Anus Dei. And that prayer comes uh-huh. a little bit later, just a little bit later. Oh. It's a, oh, okay, okay. it is after the consecration, but it's not immediately after the consecration. So you are okay. kind of correct, but that was the answer. The answer, in fact, is the supplices. So wait, but way to go, Vicky! Don't be downtrodden. You got two out of three correct. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, that was very impressive there. You were able to think that through and, and, and came close to the answer. Well, Vicki, uh, make sure you stay on the line. We're going to make sure we get your contact information. That way, if we draw your name on Friday, then we can be able to get you those prizes. So make sure you stay on the line. Uh, Vicki, God bless you and God love you. And thanks for calling in today. Thank you. Same to you. Absolutely. God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed happy Easter. Easter. Yeah. We have. 50 days of Easter. There you go. Praise be to God, Vicky. That is correct. Wow. I'm going to put you on hold there. And yes, Vicky is 100% correct. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Praise be to God. Uh, all throughout the Easter season, make sure you stick your head out the window and shout, Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. Amen. Make sure you do that today. I promise you, you won't regret doing it. Just stick your head out the window, shout it out. That's going to do it for the show today. Hop onto our our social media platforms if you want to talk to us in the after show. If not, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you, God love you, and Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. Today is Wednesday of the Octave of Easter. 
Jesus Christ is risen today, alleluia. Our triumphant holy day, alleluia. Who did once upon the cross, alleluia, suffer to redeem our lost, Alleluia. Come, you blessed of my Father, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Happy Easter. Today we celebrate the fourth day of Easter, the fourth in the octave of Easter. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God. Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, You take away the sins of the world, Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who gladden us year by year with the solemnity of the Lord's resurrection, Graciously grant that by celebrating these present festivities, we may merit through them to reach eternal joys. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, 
who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter and John were going up to the temple area for the three o'clock hour of prayer. A man crippled from birth was carried and placed at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate every day to beg for alms from the people who entered the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. But Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise and walk. Then Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles grew strong. He leaped up, stood, and walked around, and went into the temple with him, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the one who used to sit beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with amazement and astonishment at what had happened to him. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Invoke his name. Make known among the nations his deeds. Sing to him. Sing his praise. Proclaim all his wondrous deeds. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Glory in his holy name. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek to serve him constantly. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he, the Lord, is our God. Throughout the earth, his judgment prevails. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. He remembers forever his covenant, which he made binding for thousands of generations, which he entered into with Abraham, and by his oath to Isaac. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, 
What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place where, there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those went with him to when some of us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave them impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us, while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven, and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised, and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way, and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his resurrection, is new. If he's new, he's new to you. You don't know what he's going to look like. You don't know what a new version of your life is going to look like where Jesus is risen, where he has conquered the things that you've become comfortable with, the world, the flesh, the devil, sin, and death. For that reason, you don't know what the new version of you looks like or the new version of Jesus in that life looks like. So when he comes, you have to learn how to recognize him. And the way that you do that is in the breaking of the bread. The Most Holy Eucharist is the premier place of encountering the newness of Jesus Christ. It is the source, summit, and center of our faith. It's the sum and summary of our faith. It, it's the way that we learn to recognize how Jesus is going to show up. And he does exactly this. He walks with us in our journey, in our life. He explains the scriptures to us. He takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to us, showing us that the bread of our life has to be broken, blessed, and shared as well, giving us a pattern. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, par excellence, she taught that the Eucharist is the school of recognizing Jesus in the poorest of the poor. 
you have to first see Jesus and contemplate him in adoration and in mass and then and only then will you be able to see how humble he is how much he infinitely loves us how he has irreversibly given himself over to us desiring that we have this newness of life and like the apostles in the first reading sometimes he doesn't make us rich this isn't the prosperity gospel God will make you rich and famous God will take all your headaches away make you popular and give you promotions and all that that's a bunch of hogwash it's the, the gospel of peace that's the riches that he gives us the gospel of love the gospel of healing that's the real Jesus then in the midst of all of the problems he gives us his great peace and love let us ask him in this Easter time that we may have a renewed sense of devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist in his uh, to our risen Lord that we may recognize him in all the aspects of our life and that we may desire his newness and his victory let us bring our petitions to the Lord we pray for the whole church that it may shine forth with the holiness of Jesus we pray to the Lord we pray for our Holy Father all bishops and priests we pray to the Lord for government leaders we pray to the Lord we pray for the sick the suffering the poor the lost the forsaken the rejected we pray to the Lord we pray for all of our beloved dead we pray to the Lord eternal and blessed father we ask you to hear us for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession for mother Mary as we pray hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus holy Mary mother of God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth, work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, work of human hands. It'll become our spiritual drink. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Receive, we pray, O Lord, the sacrifice which has redeemed the human race, and be pleased to accomplish in us salvation of mind and body, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts, lift them up to the Lord. We give thanks to, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but on this day, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. 
for he is the true Lamb, who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying he has destroyed our death, by rising restored our life. Therefore overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tuha, O Sanha in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, granted we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints in whose constant intercession we reply for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, 
and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassionate, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom we bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Praeceptis salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, odehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quote de hanum, dan obis hodie, et emiten nobis tabita nostra, secut et nos timitimus, tabitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. On your day, quit all this peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your day, quit all this peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your day, Quit all this peccatamundi, donna nobis pahajam. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. The disciples recognized the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Alleluia. Act of Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things. 
and a desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Reina del cielo, alegrate, alegrate, O oh María. Reina del cielo, alegrate, alleluia. Alegrate, O oh María. Alegrate, O oh María. Jesus resucitó. Let us pray. We pray, O Lord, that the reverent reception of the sacrament of your Son may cleanse us from our old ways and transform us into a new creation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May God, who by the resurrection of his only begotten Son, was pleased to confer on you the gift of redemption and of adoption, give you gladness by his blessing. Amen. May he by whose redeeming work you have received the gift of everlasting freedom, make you heirs to an eternal inheritance. Amen. And may you who have already risen with Christ in baptism through faith, by living in a right manner on this earth, be united with him in homeland of heaven. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. The Mass is ended. Go in peace. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Alleluia. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King, who hath washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Praise we him whose love divine gives the guests his blood for wine, gives his body for the feast 
Love the victim, love the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheathes his sword. Israel's hosts in triumph go Through the wave that drowns the foe. Christ the Lamb whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, With sincerity and love, Eat we manna from above. Mighty victim from on high, Powers of hell now vanquished lie. Death is broken in the fight, Thou hast brought us life and light. Now thy banner thou dost wave, Conquering Satan and the grave. See the prince of darkness quelled, Heaven bright gates are open held. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help. Hey there. If you're not a Catholic, thank you so much for listening.